Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. With the first pick in the NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select 10,000 layups. 10,000 10,000 Layups. Hello, good friends, and welcome to another episode of 10,000 Layups. I'm your host, Kyle Radke, and I'm not here with Julian Andrews. He'll be here for the second half of the interview. Um, we're going to go through some like sports cards um, that you should kind of, that guys you should buy as we approach the season, which is like a week away, which is crazy. Um, and I know a lot of you guys are like, well, Kyle, you talk too much about sports cards. Well, guess what? You don't have to listen to that. You can just listen to this part um, <laughs> because we have a great guest, uh, Sports Illustrated's Michael Pina. Um, Michael, you've been on before. We're really super glad to have you. Um, and I think like, you know, I, I hate to say this because I, I don't want to take credit for everyone else's success, but like when it seems this obvious. So we had you on and you're doing great work and you were before anyways. Um, we had Haley O'Shaughnessy on before her big podcast hit. Um, and now she like won't even respond to any of our messages. Um, so it's fine. We're like the good luck Chuck podcast. That's how I think of us. Yeah. I'll speak for Haley. Um, all credit to you guys. Uh, <laughs> that's really, I, I, it's been an upward trajectory ever since I appeared, uh, the first time, whenever that was. So thank <laughs> whenever you. Whenever that was. So, so thank you for uh, for all that you've done for me professionally and personally, <laughs> especially personally. Yes. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, we want to talk about a piece that you wrote back on September 27th. It was the daily cover um, for Sports Illustrated. Um, the title of it, for those who haven't read it yet, although I'm expecting most of you have, Carl uh, Anthony Towns opens up about his season of grief. Um, and I think the actual title was um, everything was an open ended sentence. That was the quote from Carl. Um, I guess like as we, you know, first talk about the piece, what, what, you know, maybe obviously there's so many storylines with Carl and, and a lot of them are unfortunately negative just due to what's happened in the last year and a year and a half with his family. But, um, what, maybe what was, uh, intriguing about this story? Yeah. So, I mean, 
heading into, I don't even know when I was first, you know, wanting to um, reach out and see if Carl would be willing. I was pretty pessimistic about him um, willing to do a sit down interview because I just assumed before I even reached out to his camp and, um, um, and through the Timberwolves, even before I reached out with a request, I just kind of assumed that uh, it was an issue he did not want to speak about publicly or that he was going to be on his own schedule. And uh, when he would speak about it, it would be kind of on a platform that he could control, understandably. And so, uh, you know, heading into the off season, um, you know, I was asked by a couple of my editors, you know, who do you want to maybe profile or what team are you interested in writing about for our NBA preview issue? And Carl was like the first name that popped into my head. And I just wanted to know what he, what the last season was like for him Um, on the court, off the court. It's just seemed like such a nightmare for obvious reasons. And he hadn't really discussed it. And so when I kind of think about story ideas, it's like, what would I want to read? And he was the one guy whose story, whose mental state, whose just status I was fascinated by, um, you know, uh, as the person for sure, because of all that he went through with, with COVID and how COVID has negatively impacted his life. But then also, Um, I'm fascinated by him as a player, too, and he hasn't been an all-star in two seasons. Uh, You know, you go back to his second and third years in the league when that that annual GM survey comes out and every single, not every single, but the majority of GMs said that they would pick him to start a team, which is wild when you consider all the talent that is around the NBA. And, you know, he has not won a playoff series in six seasons. So there's just, there's a lot at stake for him heading into the season as a player. Um, Forget about as a person. So I wanted to talk to him about, um, you know, where things, where he's at really, and how he treated the off season and where he's at with the Timberwolves, where he's at with his teammates, where he's at um, with himself. And, uh, and I was really thankful that he sat down and, and opened up to me. Yeah, no, you're right. Like, th- th- there are so many different storylines with, with Carl heading into the season. And I think, like, a big part, and and obviously the, the playing on the court is, you know, it's obviously a huge part of it because you, you mentioned it. Like, he was, I mean, I th- I think of this still as a young player, and I guess he relatively is. But when you talk about a player in his seventh season, right, like, that's closer to double digits than it is, like, you know, being a rookie. And, and, and that's kind of crazy to think about. Um, and it wasn't that long ago that, the GMs were like, yeah, I want this guy number one. And relatively to Cat's play, it's kind of weird because if you look at his stats, you're like, well, what's like, I don't get it. What, why wouldn't you still pick this guy? Um, And, you know, it's like the the injuries. And then it, 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 you know, it comes down to that question of like whether or not your, your stats equate to winning and um, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but um, he certainly hasn't won. But um, on a personal level, I always thought that Carl was, it's a mixture of being misunderstood, but also he does a really good job of masking how he actually feels. I think um, where he'll just, he'll, he'll kind of say things and they don't like once I think you, you and I might've talked about this last time where somebody will say something and then you'll transcribe it later. And you're like, Oh, like I thought that was actually, he actually said a lot, but he actually said nothing. Mm-hmm. Carl's like the king of that. Um, but he had some, some quotes in this story, like all, like, y- you know, y- leaving quick and loans and, and, you know, he 
this isn't a quote directly to you, but he texted his agent. I can't be out here anymore. I can't do this. This is like before he's supposed to play a game. Um, and I, I think that like for him to open up like that and basically for him to hit a moment where he literally didn't think he could play in the NBA anymore, like not skill wise, but just like mentally. Um, what, what was he like, like opening up about this? Like, was he reluctant? Is it something he wanted to talk about? Or like, was, was he like, did he seem relieved maybe that somebody was asking him about it? Yeah, I mean, I came into the interview as I do with um, this is kind of a little sidetrack, but I, I interviewed a player who I'm not going to name. And I was told that he does not speak um, very uh, he, his answers to questions are very uh, brief. So I came mm -hmm. with like 75 questions and I actually was able to ask all of them in like a 45 minute oh, interview, goodness. which is very impressive. Um so I had, I say that because I go into every interview with just too many questions usually. And this one, I had a ton. Um, there's a lot that I wanted to know, but I also wasn't sure um, just how forthcoming he would be to some of the ones that were more, um, more prying, if you will. And, you know, I asked, I asked a bunch of them, but like at the top, I, I you know, I'll just generally would just say like, you know, how has your off season been or, or um, what was your mental state like last year? And he would just roll and he would go and he would tell these tangents, he would go on these tangents and he would <laughs> monologue and uh, sometimes it would stray a little bit and then he'd kind of come back to what the actual question was. Uh, but I mean, he was emotional at times during the interview. I mean, his voice was catching. Um, it sounded like he was uh, trying not to cry, which is completely understandable, particularly when he was talking about his mother and uh, when he's talking about, you know, having these long talks with his father and um, his father, the, the realist who, when he would speak about um, the pressure that he felt to play and to compete and letting people down and how he didn't want to do that. And his dad saying, okay, that's, that's wonderful. You need to take care of yourself, but understand if you do not play, you know, there's going to be financial ramifications and all that. And he's just very, he was very open about everything and uh, uh, you know, responsive to follow-up questions. And I, I did not even get to, uh, all the if, if honestly, like if I got to if I was able to ask all the questions that I had for him, we would have been sitting down for like five hours. Um, so he was just he was very, um, very descriptive, very clear at times. Um, and throughout the interview, honestly, like it was very it was hard for him to even still articulate where he was emotionally. Um, so he would say contradictory things sometimes which anyone who's suffered grief knows what that's like where you know especially when you're trying to talk about where you were in the past like if i say hey five months ago where were you or um where were you two weeks ago versus today um and it's just a very fluctuating thing for him he's not going to um i think that this line was in, i forget if this line was in the story or if, if we cut it but like it's not clean just because the season's about to start that he's moved beyond the grief of losing his mother as a 25 year old. That's just not going to, that's just not the case. That's way too clean. And so it was a little difficult in trying to actually write the piece for that reason, just like from a narrative sense. But like, I just thought he was, he was very honest. Um, honesty is the number one thing I would use to describe, describe him. And he was emotive and, uh, 
and again, I'm just really, um, really thankful that he was really game to, to speak as openly as he did throughout the interview. Yeah. And you know, Carl's family, and and that's obviously, it makes it heartbreaking no matter what, but like so close. Like I remember being there on draft night in 2015 and it was his mom and dad at the table with him. And then throughout like his rookie season, I feel like his parents were at every single game, you know, like home and road, at least, you know, for sure his dad was, but his like Jackie was always there. Um, and you know, he always talked about his family, family, family. And for him, that was, that was it. Like, you know, I think a lot of these guys may maybe lose some of that when they get to the league or like, like just like most young people growing up, right. Like you kind of get disconnected from your family a little bit as, as you grow up, like that never happened with Carl. Um, and that's, I, I remember, you know, working for, for the team when the news came in and it was just like, just gut wrenching, gut wrenching for anybody, but especially him. And, you know, that, that that's a really good quote about like the, the clean, um, basically, cause, cause I think is like fans and people that, that watch sports or, you know, whether we're like watching celebrities or athletes or whatever it is, I think there's this sense if they go through something, whether it be a death in the family, a, a breakup or, you know, whatever it is, um, like if once we get over it, I think we expect them to get over it because like, it wasn't obviously a big deal in our life. Um, like we, we sympathize until the point where like, we don't want to sympathize anymore Mm -hmm. where, and like that, that's where we, like, I I think we had to remind Wolves fans late last season of like, Oh, Carl doesn't look the same as he did, or he's, you know, he seems disengaged. And it's like, well, I wonder why, you know, like you have to remind yourself of if you were in that situation, um, you know, how, how would you react? So, so I'm glad you said that. Um, as far as like, I know that the NBA is like 95% vaccinated, probably more than that. Um, and Kyrie Irving stealing the headlines right now. But I mean, there was a, a weird stretch of a month where different guys were coming out with just with different quotes about getting vaccinated, talking about doing their own research or, you know, wondering if it was right for them and um, whatever. And, and I know Carl sent out a tweet about it, basically saying, I, I think in, in just kind of saying like you're selfish if you don't you know, get the vaccine and, and, you know, my family dealt with it and I had to see it firsthand. Do you get a sense of where, like when, when other players that, that are his peers and probably some of his friends are saying these things, like, like what Carl went through has to cross their mind. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't speak for the players who are either deciding not to get vaccinated or who held out for as long as they did for, whatever reason that they, that they did hold out. Um, I would imagine that it would be difficult to completely block Carl Towns experience from their brain. Um, but I mean, it's just, a, it's a really difficult question to. Yeah, no. And, and I, yeah, I mean, I, I, I kind of put you on the spot there J- just in my mind. I always think that if like somebody that was in the same league or same, even like the same, like I, you know, I, I work for a company of like, let's say a thousand people. And if I knew somebody went through that, like would I slack the company one day and just be like, I don't know if this is right for me. Like, I, I think I'm good. Like in my mind, I'm always like, God, like I would never do that because even if that's something that I thought, like, I, like, you know, I, I sympathize so much with, with that. Right. And I mean, from my personal perspective, even if Carl did not have the terrible nightmarish experience that he did, 
uh, there are still thousands of people, millions of people over the world who have. So yeah. it's just like not even really a controversial issue for me on any in any sense. I think that getting the vaccine is just an act of selflessness that everyone needs to to do. And it's not it's not really that controversial. And, um, you know, uh, people like Kyrie Irving, who I still don't really understand um, his rationale for for not getting vaccinated, despite uh, leaking, uh, last night that he actually is anti-vaccine. It's just, I, I, it's just so bizarre. And, and I, I can't really wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around, um, the, I mean, it's a, it's a great minority in this country who is so vocally anti-vaccine or, or choosing to, um, you know, quit their jobs because of a vaccine mandate. Um, and, and, and just like, put their livelihoods at risk over just like getting a shot that will help save lives and get us out of this pandemic. It's just like, it's, it's a, uh, it's something I can't really process and have a difficult time dealing with personally, but yeah, that's neither here nor there. No, I, I we've, we've talked about it on this podcast too. And it's, it's one of those things where you, you keep talking and you just talk in a circle because um, you know, the facts don't change, but um, back to on the court. Uh, it's funny because, you you wrote the piece and it's talking about the, like the wolves changing and basically being like now or never. Right. And then of course, like last week or two weeks ago, the, the Gerson Rosas news hits where yet another change for Timberwolves leadership. And um, I know Carl, he said at media day, basically like all my chips are on the table. Like this move doesn't really change my plans. Um, and I think those close to him said, yeah, he, he does want to stay in Minnesota as long as he can, as long as the team can prove that, that he's going to win. I mean, that can't, I, I, I believe what he's saying in the sense of like, that's like the right thing to say, but like with all the dysfunction over the years and with Rosas, who we actually thought was like the one like glimmer of hope in the organization turns out to be probably, you know, the work, maybe the worst decision over the last t- 10 years. Like, I guess for, for him as a star, just looking, you know, maybe from the, the outside in, in, in Minnesota, like, what are the chances Carl's here in like in, in five years or like what, what, I guess what would need to happen for somebody like him to, to want to stay? Well, so he has three years left on his current contract. And if he makes an all NBA team, he's eligible for a super max extension. So that's a lot of money. <laughs> and um, I think that, well, I know that, he's interested in qualifying for that supermax extension and signing that supermax extension. That doesn't mean that you're going to stay in Minnesota and be happy for the, for the life of your contract. As we know in the NBA that could, um, you know, players will sign those deals and then they could be disgruntled. Their team could trade them for whatever reason, if it's not working out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I do know that that from everything that I found out in my reporting, that is, that is true. But you know, Carl obviously wants to win basketball games. Um, he's in a tricky situation right now where uh, the team, you know, D'Angelo Russell is also in the same um, same age, uh, same experience level. But a lot of the pieces um, who are very important are just starting right now and when you just start you're used you you should be losing that's kind of how Mm -hmm. the nba works you're drafted you're a high draft pick you go to a team that's bad and you work your way up to being good right now the expectations are like 
um, for the organization, the expectations are like, we need to at least like compete in a play in game. Like that's what they want to do this season. And so he says all these things right now, anticipating progress. You know, I, I personally really like the off season that Minnesota had. I like a lot of the moves that they made getting Patrick Beverly, um, just like from a locker room cultural standpoint, like I've always thought that they needed someone like that who will like yeah. just scream it. Like, you need, you need like motivators coming from inside the house for lack of a better phrase. And like Pat Beverly is one of those guys. So I like that um, for everybody. Um, and you know, there's holes on this roster for sure, but you know, like just talent wise, you can easily see them separating themselves from some of the other teams that are at the bottom of the Western conference. Like, I don't think this is one of the worst teams in the league. Um, I think offensively, the ceiling is very high for them. And if everything kind of comes together, if everybody's able to stay healthy, um, you know, I wrote about in my story, like not every team is going to be the Phoenix suns and the Phoenix suns obviously grab, you know, they didn't grab Patrick Beverly. They grabbed, Chris Paul, one of the best players at the position of all time. So like, that's a, a minor caveat in this comparison, but the Minnesota Timberwolves are like, they see that situation. And Carl sees that situation His friend, Devin Booker playing in the finals, scoring two 40 point games, um, scoring 46, I think in the, the elimination game in the first round against the Lakers, like Carl sees that. And he's like, I, I, I want to compete in those situations. And, I think we're on the right track there, but you know, a lot can change in the NBA in a year. And yeah. if the Minnesota Timberwolves are, you know, worse than the Houston Rockets this year or something like that, and they find themselves as a 13 seed and they were healthy, then who knows? Like, I, <laughs> I don't know how his mindset would change after that. Yeah. Um, Cause there's a very, if that were to happen, there's a very, not, not a great chance he'll, he'll make an all NBA team. And it's kind of up in the air from there, but I think there's good reason to be optimistic for, from his perspective. And honestly, from Timberwolves fans perspective, I know that's really difficult for Timberwolves fans to, to get behind and actually feel something for this team. But like, if I was, I, I just think that they're there at the ground level right now of something that can be, um, that can just have a really positive trajectory over the next few years. If the Timberwolves made the playing game, and I know this sounds crazy, fans would lose their shit. Like, <laughs> I, I like they like everybody says right now. Like, I think we could be the sixth seed or the seventh seed. Then you actually like look at the teams and you write them down, and you're like, no, we're not going to be a six seed or seventh seed. But like, if we got to that nine or ten seed, and I say we, some I guess I'm a member of the team now. Um, like if 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 the Wolves got to like the ten seed and they're playing the Grizzlies, like people would go nuts. Like if if they got the nine seed and the first game was at Target Center. Um, like people would go crazy. I mean, I was there for that, that Houston Rockets series and which was like very apparent that like wolves were the eight seed and the Rockets were the one. It was like, mm -hmm. it was like expected, like, yeah, like Rockets might sweep. And then the wolves won that game three. And it was like, you would have thought that like the best thing ever happened. And then of course, game four, they get blown out and they, they lose in five. And then like, of course, like Jimmy immediately leaves and, and blah, blah, blah. Sure. Um, but um, I'm glad you brought up the Suns because Carl had a great quote about that is, is in your piece too. Um, he goes, do you know how many times I've heard jokes about Phoenix? And then all of a sudden, boom, all together, they say, you know what? We're going to stop the bullshit. 
we're going to come together and we're going to give everything to winning. No stats, no money, just winning. And they went to the finals. So it's a mentality and it starts early. So, um, I mean, giving everything to winning also was getting Chris Paul. So I'm glad you said that. Um, and like, it, you know, it had something to do with stats and something to do with money, but that's not here nor there. Like you get what he's saying, basically when he's seeing his peers win and other teams in the same conference that have kind of been in the same place as Minnesota. Um, like even like, you know, I have to imagine he probably felt similar about the Hawks. Like you're watching the Hawks make the Eastern conference finals and you're like, okay, they can make it like we can make a serious run. Um, okay. Well, sweet. Um, Hey, I have a meeting. Um, you're awesome. But, uh, where can people, you have a podcast, but obviously people can read your stuff on sports illustrated. Everybody should go read this piece by the way. Um, but, but where can people listen to your pod? Yeah, um, I, I co-host the Open Floor podcast with Rohan Nadkarni and, and Chris Herring uh, twice a week. So subscribe to that. It's wonderful. We have a good time. And check out SI.com for a bunch of great sports journalism and a lot of more talented people than me who have words over there. So, so yeah, regularly check it out. Maybe even subscribe. That would be wonderful. Uh, final question, I guess. Um, so if you're in the open court, this just popped in my head. You're running a three on one. Um, you have the ball and you're at half court. What, what's the move? Like, what do you want your offense to do? <laughs> what a question. I, that's, I just thought of it. This is um, what happens on this podcast. I'm throwing a lob to Giannis okay. with five seconds left in game six of the NBA finals or whatever that thought lob was. Uh, yeah, that's, that's my move. I'm throwing it up at the apex of the backboard and hoping someone catches it. That can't go wrong. Um, <laughs> all right. All right, Michael. Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it. Um, everybody else, uh, stay tuned and we will get into the card corner. Sitting here watching Thursday Night Football, it's the Bucks against the Eagles. Not a particularly great game, but I'm watching because I have DraftKings signups. They're a lot of fun. Um, if you're in Minnesota, unfortunately, we don't have the DraftKings Sportsbook yet. But if you're in a state that does, <clears throat> use the code TBPN when you make your first deposit. Um, make a deposit of $5 and, and place a $1 bet on any contest. You give yourself chances of winning like a lot of money from DraftKings. Um, and then if you're not in, in a state that, that uh, legalizes sports betting, um, they have tons and tons of like free pools. They have contests you can create with your buddies. Uh, so go check them out. And when you do, if you're making your first deposit, make sure to use that code TBPN. Uh, show your support for us because they've uh, showed their support, um, you know, for, for, for this podcast. So very grateful for them. Um, <clears throat> with that being said, I'm joined uh, again, not with Michael. Uh, he, while, while he was great. Um, here back with Julian. Julian. Bummed you missed the interview. But, I know, too bad. But understand. It's always Jobs, a thing you know? with, yeah, with a guest when they're like, yeah, I can do Tuesdays at 1 p.m. And like writers don't have a normal schedule as like everybody else. Yeah. So they don't understand that that's like just not very convenient. But who cares? Um, we'll we'll take breaks in our day. Great to, job to with that interview, though. It was really yeah, cool. Yeah, no, he's so good. Like he's just knowledgeable and just like uh he's a real person too so uh, yeah that's, totally. that's always nice like he's 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 never like trying to be smarter than you which i think which i i honestly i don't think i've noticed this until like the last year it's like a lot of sports writers they they just so desperately want you to think that they're smarter than you mm -hmm. which like they're certainly smarter in their field but at the end of the day like they're still a sports writer which i'm not like i'm not 
we, we do a sports podcast. Right. I, I guess what I'm saying is like, there are no sports just, podcasters. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's totally. like at the end of the day, you're just like watching sports and you're like giving me your takes on Twitter. So, um, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, what are we all really doing in life? Huh, Julian watching sports and giving our takes on Twitter mostly. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Uh, Julian, um, as we go into the second half of the pod, the wolves actually played tonight. They played Brooklyn. Um, it's preseason. I'm not going to go through the box score mostly because I didn't watch it because I had volleyball tonight. So just following along with some tweets, it didn't seem like anything particularly noteworthy happened. They lost. Yeah, they lost. I saw that. Um, it seems like Malik Beasley had a hot start right away, which is good. But, um, what I want to do is jump into the three star sports card card corner. Our good friends over at three stars. I was there this week. Actually, I bought a pack of, um, optic and I got a lamello ball rookie. Um, that's what we like to see. Yep. Pretty great. Pretty great. Um, but no, like Eric and all those guys there are great. If you have any questions on your collection, go talk to them. If you want the newest releases, go talk to them. If you need supplies, go talk to them. Um, they're in Bloomington and they are there in little Canada. Um, little Canada shop is closed on Sundays, but otherwise go check out their website and they're all over social as well. Um, before the season starts, I want to go through, now you tell me what you want to do for format here. We should have talked about this before, but, um, so I have five guys for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I have five guys here that I highlighted. Now what we could do is like over the next five podcasts, we could go through one guy on each podcast, or I could go through like two right now or three or all five. Um, Let's do two. How about this? Okay. Let's do two of them. Okay. And then we'll try to have people guess. Yeah. Yeah. Who the other three are going to be like on Twitter or something. Yeah. We'll figure it out. And if, if not like what well, we, yeah, it, I'm not, I'm not worried. It's like, it's, it's good content anyways. I actually, like I did a fair amount of um, preparation for this. So, uh, basically it's five guys that I'm not like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, Oh my God, you should buy this guy. And if you do, you're going to make a bunch of money like to flip. I'm just buying guys that their value interests me. And like, there could be guys that maybe you even have in your collection that you're like, Oh, I think I'm just yeah. going to like hold this guy to see how they do. Um, guys that I'm like, I'm high on. So you can think about this in like the sports card world or in normal life. So, um, the first one, um, OG and Anobi. So he's entering his fifth year with the Raptors. He'll be 24 years old. Um, he's gotten better every single year. So, uh, first year, uh, as a rookie and, um, he was a 2017, 23rd round pick. I think he's out of Indiana. So he goes, uh, six points per game to seven points per game to 10.6 points per game to last year he averaged 15.9 points 5.5 rebounds uh two assists 1.5 steals he shot 48 percent from the field and 39.8 from the three-point line so very good numbers across the board julian yeah i'm gonna rattle off numbers of another nba player and if you're in the notes you already know who this is but um so in his first year he averaged 7.9 points in his second year 11.9 points Third year, 12.8 points. Fourth year, 16.5 points. His same same exact timeline as, as uh, OG Ananobi. He entered the league at 20 years old back in 2011. And uh, the next season, at his age 24, he made his first All-Star game. He averaged 21 points, 7 rebounds, uh, 
three assists. He shot 50% from the field and 44% from the three-point line. Do you know who I'm talking about? Paul George? Close. Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard. Okay. So nice. Yeah. And I'm not like, and, and what I will say is like, I, I think we, we talk a lot. Well, I'm not going to compare this guy to this guy. I actually am because I think they're similar, they're similar. in the sense that yeah. like they are defensive first players who were kind of afterthoughts offensively who have gotten better each year. So, um, card prices overall is prison PSA tens are, there's only 324 of these in the population, um, department. And like, the reason why I say that is because the next guy I'm going to talk about was the same draft class and he has 2,839. Yeah. So, um, he is, he, it, it, the PSA tends at $85, which is up $31 in the last three months. So if you're looking for a time to buy it, it was three months ago, but like, if you have him, I, I think that's, that's fun because he's got a big opportunity in Toronto. He's a guy who's improved every season. He's 24 years old. Um, and it seems like the reason or the season that he jumps to that 20 to 22 points per game. The, I mean, the reason why it went skyrocket is because when Kawhi got so good, he was on a good team where I don't think the Raptors will be good, but That's it does issue, mean, right? yeah, but it does mean like big opportunities for him. So totally, totally. Yeah. I just looked up some of his cards and yeah, it, uh, I don't know. I know that they're, they're not, they weren't all at like the end of their bids, so they might go up, but it seems like there might be some yeah. deals out there. Yeah. And like, I, 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 like, I, I know we talk about flipping and everything. Like I'm not much of a flipper as far as like buying and selling. I'm more of like the buy a pack, go get it graded and then sell it after. Mm. Um, I just don't have enough time to do like the constant, like checking to see if it's like the day trading of the, yeah sports card world especially with like fees and everything so if you're selling on ebay it's like you buy it and then you buy it for 80 dollars, let's say but then you sell it for 90 but then there's a 13 percent fee and you have to get postage stuff so you like make five bucks off of it and it's like unless you're buying a hundred of those cards and doing that but okay so that's not here nor there but okay the next guy uh is lonzo ball so he's entering Mm -hmm. his first season in chicago He's the second overall pick in the 2017 class. Now his PSA tens are about forty dollars more, um, or thirty dollars more than than OG Ananobi. It's at one fifteen. About that was the last sale as of like last night. Um, that's up twenty seven dollars over the last three months. Um, I'm excited because a because like the the ball name has always, whether he's good or not, um, it's like has always just been a popular name, right? And Lonzo actually is good. And, and yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying Lamelo's not. I think Lamelo's very good too. But last year in New Orleans, uh, 15 points per game, six assists per game, five rebounds per game. Um, his shooting percentage is not great, but still 38% from the three-point line. So um, I think all those things that got us really excited about Lonzo in New Orleans that didn't quite come to fruition about like this young team and all these guys around him. Yeah. I'm starting to think like maybe that was just, that's going to be Chicago. Uh, he's going to be in a big city with tons of expectations. He's going to have like, he's going to be on TV where in new Orleans, it was like the opposite of that. Um, well, I guess with, with, with Zion, there was plenty of national TV games, but they just like weren't in the news. Um, and I think he's been under the radar as far as his career goes and maybe what some expected like a disappointment, but he's only 24. He's got a lot of weapons around him. Um, and like, I just think of these guys, like imagine the hype of like, Lonzo, like the, the the Bulls are, let's say the Bulls are the the four seed, the Heat are the five seed. 
like the old versus new, like Jimmy Butler, you know, back in like whatever. Like, and all of a sudden Lonzo has like a 20 point, 15 assists, eight rebound game. Like, kind of some of those are Rajon Rondo numbers. Totally. Um, I don't know. I just, I think that there's like a lot of room for him to grow and he's still so young. I completely agree. I mean, I, I'm not as much into the card market as you are, but just from a pure basketball perspective, I think he's one of the most underrated players in the league, right? Like, yeah. just in terms of what he can do versus how he's kind of perceived. And I think he hasn't really shed that kind of high draft pick, not necessarily a star, kind of disappointment type thing that kind of comes comes with you sometimes. But I think now he's on his third team since being drafted. Um, I think I think it's time. I think you're right. Yeah, and it's so hard. Like, we've seen, like, point guards in general just don't, like, a lot of them take a little longer to develop in the mm-hmm. NBA. Like, point guards and centers, it seems. And I, I know, like, the argument against that, right, is, like, Lamelo and sure, right? And, like, Luca, but, like, to say Luca's a point guard, like, I, I the the NBA did their GM sur- survey, and the GM said that Luca was the best point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. He won every position he was the best <laughs> at. Um, so that tells you, like, it, like, Lonzo's a pure point guard, right? So. Yeah. Like, I think it just takes those guys a little bit longer. Um, but yeah, so uh, this wraps up this episode. But like, like next week, we'll go through our other three. Um, it's a rookie. It's a guy that's entering his sixth year. And then it's a, it's an old veteran we got on the list. So um, sweet. Well, Julian, um, nice. let's talk. We're going to talk probably next Monday night. Um, yeah, that's perfect. We'll talk before the Wolves opener, which is on Wednesday. I'm actually going to that game. Nice. Um, which I'm excited about. So that'll be fun. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll talk on Monday. We'll, maybe we'll kind of preview the week for the Wolves. Yeah, um, perfect. Uh, we, we, maybe I'll try to get a guest for us. And then later in the week, on that like Thursday or Friday, we'll just kind of take in some observations overall. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, you, sir, you rock. Thanks, um, you too. Everyone, thanks for listening. Um, Michael, uh, Pina from Sports Illustrated, if you're listening to this, we'd love you. We want you on a lot. You're just very knowledgeable and your writing is fantastic. So go to Sports Illustrated and read all of its articles. Ten thousand layups.